Mission Chats with John Crow. Welcome back to Mission Chats. It is always a privilege to hear people's stories. And today I'm super excited to introduce you to somebody who I've actually just sort of met through email up to this point, a new friend, Kappa. And I'm not going to tell you too much about it. I'm just going to let her share with us some of her story. So Kappa, just to lead us into this conversation today, I would love to hear your story, how you came to be a follower of Jesus and how he led you to do what you're doing today. It's so good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And I love sharing my testimony. For one thing, it's always an encouragement to me to remember what Jesus has done for me. Amen. So I was raised in a Christian family, but uh, I think as many of us know, many times there is a point that we get to where we realize, wow, do I really believe this? Is this my faith? So what happened for me is there was a time in my life where I, as a child, just felt like I had a heart of stone. Like I didn't feel love in my heart. And I knew that I was supposed to feel love in my heart. And I felt a lot of shame about that. I also had addiction to secret habitual sin. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, so full of shame, but I felt powerless to do anything about it. And when I began to cry out to God about that, one day I was actually sitting in Sunday school. I think I was probably about 14 years old. And I felt like something, it seemed like a shadow, like something fell off my eyes and into my lap. Hmm. And suddenly I just understood that all I had to do to be free from that addiction and to have the power to have a different life was just believe that Jesus could do that for me. So not only with that understanding and that revelation of the simplicity of salvation, really, he also gave me as a gift just in that moment instantly the faith to believe. And within two days, I was free. And that just led me on a love relationship with Jesus. I fell in love with him, realizing how he did that for me. Like it was no longer, he did that for someone else and hearing someone else's story. Like he came to me personally and gave me revelation of his love and how to be free. And it changed my life. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know that you're uh, now serving him full time in a part of the world that's uh, somewhat challenging in some ways. And I'm curious how it went from, you know, being a 14-year-old, being freed from these things Mm -hmm. and finding new life in him to his drawing you to a point where you felt that, yeah, that you wanted to follow him in the next step, uh, serving him in in missions. So I had for a long time just the desire to serve God with my life Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what that would look like. My plan was actually to serve God as a graphic designer. I felt like the church at that time was way behind on all things technology. And to me, it was embarrassing how bad, for example, church websites were. And I literally just told God one day, like, I don't care how much I make. I know I'm not going to make anything doing this, but I would love to just serve churches and ministries in graphic design. And so that was my plan. And I actually graduated from college to prepare myself for that. And I decided to take a few weeks off before trying to find a job or anything and just just taking a break after four years of college. Yeah. And during that time, 
I went to visit my sister and she had a friend who was visiting her and we were alone in a room together, uh, me with that, that friend. And she just began to prophesy over me. And that was the first time anyone had ever done that. I didn't really know what was happening, but she just was like, you're called to missions, aren't you? And she just began to say all these things. And it really, it was so powerful. Hmm. And after that conversation ended, she actually left and I went in the other room and was talking with my sister and brother-in-law and they had no idea what had just happened to me. I was just kind of like, Oh, that was interesting. But all of a sudden my sister was like, Oh, we think we know what you're called to. And I was like, Oh, really? And and my brother-in-law said missions. And I was just like, really? <laughs> so honestly, at that point, I just took it for like the simple word. Okay. I'm called to missions. And yeah, it's, there were so many things that happened beyond that, but I began to feel drawn to this part of the world mm. through some other friendships and just seeing what God is doing here. Right. And yeah, on top of that, I realized just a few years ago that actually that woman who prophesied over me is from this region. I didn't even like think about it wow. until, yeah. yeah, just recently. No, that's amazing. I always enjoy uh, having these conversations because more often than not, when I hear people's stories, there's some point of connection. And uh, actually, I studied graphic design originally as well. That was my initial direction for work. And then the Lord also called me into missions. So I'm curious. I got to use my skills in that area uh, over the years. Have you been able to use those either prior to being where you are or even in the current context? Not so much in the current context, although I'm sure I would not be surprised if it came up again. Right. I am considering using photography again, yeah. but I soon after just like a week or two after I got this news of oh I'm called right. mission surprise yeah. I actually had the director of operations of a mission organization approach me with a job opportunity okay. and it was not in graphic design but the job evolved into graphic design because they actually had a need for that as well so I worked for that organization for 7 years and 6 of those years I was doing their website and and all their publications and and communications. So yeah, I did get to use that even <laughs> in the great. mission yeah. context. Yeah, fantastic. So I'd love to hear as much as you can share with with us and with the audience kind of what your current role looks like, what you're involved in, and maybe a you know what a day-to-day -day looks like. I know as we were preparing for this call, you indicated there's often surprises that come your way. And so <laughs> scheduling can sometimes be a challenge. Uh, so yeah, whatever you feel able to share, I'd love to hear a bit more about it. So our team, we have a vision to see this whole region. So from Tehran, Iran, to Latakia, Syria, mm. uh, to see this whole region reached with the gospel through multiplying movements, like disciple-making movements. Yeah. And from the word, we know that the way that Jesus trained his disciples and um, the, the way that we see the apostles actually carrying out the call to missions is through finding people of peace. Mm -hmm. So not so much coming in thinking, I'm going to lead a movement, but looking for those people that God has prepared to be a doorway to the gospel into their own culture. Right. So... At this point, a lot of what we do is going out 
two by two, according right. to Luke 10 and praying, looking for connections and following up with connections. So many times, actually, just before this call, you mentioned how, yes, I did say that things are just constantly coming up and you almost right. never know how to plan. Uh, literally before this call, one of my teammates contacted me. Hey, I have someone I need to meet with. I want, can you be my two by two? Can we go right. out? And I said, yeah. I will be, I can just, you know, after this call. Yeah, so, give me some time. <laughs> um, wow. So every day you never know what's going to happen, but not only are we as foreign workers mm -hmm. looking for those opportunities, we also are supporting in whatever way we can the the locals that we have worked with. And so honestly, what they are doing is amazing. I'm so uh, inspired by their faith and faithfulness. So we are seeing generations of groups multiplying throughout many different people groups yeah. at this point. Wow, that's very exciting to hear. And a little bit I've heard along the way in the last couple of years too, is in some parts of, of the world in that region, that it's really women that are sort of leading the way. So I'm curious if, if that's what you're, and I mean, as far as the local people, yes. uh, it's often the women who are initiating and gathering and pursuing. Is that what you're seeing as well? I do know uh, quite a few women that are doing the work. There are men as well. And at this point among the locals, I'm not really sure how to tell you like a percentage, sure. but I would say there are a lot of women and probably more than men, but we do work with a lot of men as well. So praise God for that. And culturally, do you find that, is that a challenge at all when you as women are working with men? I know in that culture, sometimes there's some complications in that. Have you run into that or is it fairly straightforward? It, it definitely is a challenge. And I mean, our team is, is mostly as far as the singles, yeah. the single mm -hmm. team members, are, we are mostly women. And so we do try to find either someone to go with us. There was a time that I was discipling a man. Mm -hmm. And so I was just inviting a local teammate to right. come with me. And he was actually helping it with translation as well. Yeah. And yeah, it is a challenge for sure. But I will also say that my mind opened in many ways of things that I thought were impossible for a single woman. So I was encouraged by some trainers who, who we work with who come and not only help us understand how to make a disciple making movement, but also training the local leaders mm -hmm. who already have many disciples and many groups meeting. He shared testimonies about women sharing with the head of the household, mm -hmm. uh, which of course would be a man in this context. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's possible. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. And since then, I actually have gotten to share with two heads of household. So mm -hmm. one of them was, there was a translator. I was with my uh, language teacher visiting her brother. Mm -hmm. And she functioned as a translator in that mm -hmm. visit. It was, it was amazing. And I understood what she was saying. I just couldn't say it myself. And right. so as I was sharing the gospel she was translating it perfectly. And in fact, improving what I was saying, I was like, wow, yeah. yeah, I wish I had said it that way. That's great. Yeah. And so we shared not only with her brother, but a lot of the family was sitting around listening as well. And that was so encouraging to me because yeah. I just kind of didn't even know I could 
go for that. But that day I was just like, Hey, I want to share this because they had asked us to pray for healing mm-hmm. uh, for someone in their family. And so I just said, Hey, can I share with you why we pray in the name of Jesus, which is the gospel. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I always find these chats such an encouragement and also insightful to see how God is using different people in different parts of the world to further his kingdom through missions. Thank you again for listening, and please tune back in next week to get the rest of Kappa's story. And if you can share this with people who you think would be interested to hear these types of stories and these chats, please do that for me. Find us online at missionchats.com.